friends? Well, it's been a hot minute since we've updated the podcast, but I just wanted to let you know that in the coming weeks, we are going to have some exciting new content coming out. I'm excited to be sharing with you what God has been downloading to me around faith, miracles, healing, and sharing Jesus confidently. I also have some great testimonies to share with you. For now, why don't you take a listen to the latest podcast that I did with a great friend of mine, Tina Waldron, on healing and evangelism. You can see the show notes for more information about Tina and her ministry. But before I go, why don't you follow the show right now so that you don't miss out on the uploads in the coming weeks when they drop. Can't wait to share this with you soon. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum and today I'm speaking with Cherie Rice, who's the Executive Pastor at Numa Church and overseeing the area of evangelism. Today we're going to be talking about healing and evangelism. Super excited because Cherie has quite a personal story in this space. Welcome to you, Cherie. Hi, Tina. Thank you so much. It is great to have you along. Now, First of all, just for our listeners' sake, you grew up in the country. You're in the city right now, like in the inner city, but you grew up in the country. Is that right? It's a true story. Born and raised in Melbourne, but then moved to the country in my uh, teenage, young adult years. Right. That's quite an experience. Tell me about what happened when you were younger, because my understanding is that you were very passionate about praying for people that were unwell and you're very much about people that don't know Christ and you had some encounter or you lost your confidence. What happened? It probably is in connection with the move to country, to tell you the truth. Um, I grew up in Melbourne and was a severe asthmatic. So I was in and out of hospital all the time uh, with asthma, intubation, all the different things that happen as a result of, of being a severe asthmatic. And I really had this passion and drive to see people healed. Uh, came to know Christ at a very young age, age of five, and became really aware of the power of the presence of God to heal when people came in to pray for me. And so then I copied and literally walked around the ward just praying for anybody and everybody to be healed, knowing that it was in the Bible, Jesus said it, it would be. So it created this real great faith and expectation for healing. And um, as a result, my family moved to country Victoria to support me in the space of asthma. It was better for me in the country air and that sort of thing. So we moved when I was a teenager. But I became very passionate about healing. And I can remember, uh, you know, reading all the different books from John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, there was a whole bunch of them, and Benny Hinn, The Anointing, and all these books that I, I read in this teenage season of my life because there was such a hunger to see uh, God's presence manifest in people's worlds and lives and even in my own life. And uh, so I had a real desperation for the healing gift to be developed in my life, to grow into it, to step into it, not knowing anything other than the Bible and just seeing the stories coming through these books. Um, so it was a bit of, bit of a profound uh, introduction for me into that space and I've got a real hunger for it in my teenage years, yeah. So you went about praying for people and, and were people healed? Yeah, look, and funnily enough, I probably can't recall the stories of people being healed, but there's one that I can remember really well. Um, Pastor Rick Brower came in to see me one time when I was at the Monash Hospital and he was doing a pastoral visitation and, uh, and I had this real heart for the guy next to me named Dave. He had a brain tumour and was blind as a result of the brain tumour. And I just was like, I, I want to see him healed. And so Pastor Rick had prayed for me 
And then he, he went to leave and I was laying in my bed going, God, would you, would you bring him back so that we could pray for David? Because David had asked if he would pray uh, for him. And I was like, yeah, next time. And I'm thinking there might not be a next time. So God convicted Pastor Rick and brought him back into the room and said, hey, I'm just going to stir in my heart to pray for this guy next door. And I was like ecstatic. And, uh, and so we went next door and we prayed for him. And I don't know the outcome because you, you kind of slide in and out of people's lives, in and out of hospital. But there was a real peace that fell upon David. There was no longer this fear, this dread. Uh, he was just a, a real peace. And he gave his life to the Lord in that moment. And it was just an incredible moment that I can remember in one of those moments, seeing the ultimate miracle come to pass, which was salvation. Yeah, well, that's amazing. A- amazing story of how God can speak and bring someone back and you pray with someone. So what happened from there? Because you you lost your confidence in this space. My understanding is that recently you felt the Lord speak to you again. But first of all, how did you go from a person being so passionate about wanting to pray for people to losing that confidence? Yeah, look, that's probably one of the the bigger challenges um, that I find with a lot of people is that something comes and knocks their confidence. For me, um, I had the time in which I moved to the country while my parents were trying to sell their house here in Melbourne. I stayed with my auntie and uncle and uh, they had a son with a disease and I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was like Lysen Carefully, sounded like Listen Carefully. And it's a disease where the brain is a smooth brain. And so he was blind, he was crippled, he couldn't walk, he couldn't talk, he couldn't eat, he couldn't do anything but simply lay and breathe. Um, And uh, I just really believed at that season in my life. I was 16. I remember it so clearly from the age of 14 to 16, I prayed for him every weekend. Every time my auntie went to take my nephew and my two cousins to tennis, I would just lay hands on him and pray for him and believe that he was going to be healed. Um, And just after my 16th birthday, um, he passed away at the age of four. And that really kind of just devastated me. It left me angry and frustrated because I said, God, this is what's in your word, but this is my experience and it doesn't match up to who you say you are. And for me, it would have been the biggest miracle for him to walk and talk and to, to, you know, to be risen from his lame, paralyzed state, which I saw in the Bible and was really excited to see take place in his life. And it didn't happen. And at the age of 16, I could never walk away from God because I knew the reality of who God was, but I was angry at God. And for about two years, I wrestled with this anger and this hurt and this disappointment and this frustration. And God really took me on a bit of a journey. He, he took me through a healing process two, year, two years later. And I continued to tell people about Jesus, continued to share my faith with people, continued to invite people to church, but I was angry at him because he didn't perform as such. And, uh, and I can just remember that it never really left. The, the pain left, like the pain got less of the disappointment, but it, it never really sort of resolved itself. Um, but that for me was probably the thing that undermined not the passion for it, but the belief for it. And I was, I was really challenged by that. And it probably wasn't up until 2014 when I was coming back from a itinerant preaching session I'd done in country Victoria and God spoke to me and said, I want you to go past your cousin's grave. And I was like, no, he's not there. I don't need to do that. That's ridiculous. Holy Spirit again was like, you need to go visit your cousin's grave. And I was like, oh, 
doesn't make any sense. It's the middle of the night. This is not cool. <laughs> and uh, and so, like, I literally took the prompting eventually. I take a bit of a few nudges. Uh, he knows me well. And uh, I went in there and I sat in his grave and I was like, all right, but what are we doing here? And as I sat there, God just started to unpack with me. He's like, Cherie, when we buried your cousin, the we was very profound for me. It was a very clear, I was with you in that moment. And it ministered to me. As soon as he said it, it just, it just ministered to my heart. But then what preceded it was when we buried your cousin, you buried your faith. And for me, I was like, what do you mean? I'm itinerant. I've been in ministry for 10 years. What do you mean I buried my faith? And he just started to unpack with me in that moment how I had believed for different things, but in my heart I knew he could, but I always questioned whether he would. I was like, you know, I know he can, but he's, does he want to? And he started to say to me, I'm about to resurrect your faith in this season of your life. And so he started to then really provoke a new hunger uh, for that space. And I mean, I'd pray for people to be healed and everything like that, but there was always that, you know, niggling question in the back of my mind. Well, I think many of us, if we're really honest, I mean, I'm letting you know today, Cherie, like I've prayed for people and they haven't got healed and it does really, it really knocks you about. And even more so if you feel, you know, it's your neighbour or it's somebody at work and you feel that God's even prodding you, the Holy Spirit is asking you, I'll go pray for them and absolutely nothing happens. (laughs) But you want to see people here. I can remember praying for a family member and, um, you know, just saying, oh, yeah, absolutely, you'll get healed. <laughs> and they didn't get healed. But other people I'd prayed for and they had been healed. So it, it is difficult. So, yeah. you know, how important is it for you today to be still leaning into this, praying for people that don't know Jesus when they are sick? And why even do that? Look, I've come to the conclusion that I never want to miss what God wants to do. So I'll pray whether or not. I feel it. So I always ask, Holy Spirit, what's your will in this space? And I'll pray according to what I feel like God's dropping into my spirit. But even if I, I feel like this is not a moment for a miracle of healing, but I'll pray with faith and expectation to believe it because sometimes there's moments where you don't know it, but you walk into a moment and God absolutely wants to do something in their life. And sometimes it may not be the outward manifestation of a healing, but the inner healing that takes place as a result. And so I, I've just made a decision that I'll, I'll pray for anything. As long as it's sitting in front of me, I'm good to lay hands on and pray for it. Tell me about what's going on in your world in praying for people that don't know the Lord and what's happened recently. It's a really fascinating space to be in because I am seeing some incredible things happen and they just, God surprises me every time because, you know, we know we've got to love people, we've got to care for people, and then we share with people. And it's funny because I often uh, walk into cafes, walk into spaces, and I'm always very aware of what God's doing in the room and asking the Holy Spirit, is there anyone here you want me to share with? And uh, one particular day, uh, just a couple of years ago, um, maybe a year ago during COVID, literally I was in a cafe. I sat down with a friend. We had brunch and I was on a really bad Christian day. You know, those days where it's just like, you're not aware of anything. And uh, this woman was serving us. And normally I'm like, hey, how are you? What's your name? And, you know, really engaged. This day I wasn't. And I was sitting at the dinner table eating with my friend. We'd finished uh, our meals and sitting there. And the Holy Spirit was just like, you need to pray for the 
for the girl that's been serving you. And I was like, oh, God, no, you, you can't be serious. Like, I legitimately have not invested anything into this space. I haven't showed her I cared. It's so opposite to what we should be doing, you know. And he was like, you need to pray for her. And I was like, oh, okay. So I walked away and decided, okay, I'm going to pray for this woman. And I don't know what's going to open up here, what it is, what God wants me to pray for. And I walked over to her and I paid for our bill. And uh, I literally just looked at her hand and saw that this was pink tape around her hand. And I was like, okay, something's happened here. Let's ask the question, hey, what happened to your hand? And uh, and she just proceeded to unpack. She'd been to uh, different medical uh, professionals to get treatment on her wrist. She couldn't put two her thumb and her finger together to hold plates and things like that without the support of a brace or some strapping. And so she uh, started to tell me that it was literally the doctors had said there's no more hope for her wrist. There's nothing more that they could actually do. And so she tapes it to support it throughout her shifts and different things. And I was like, wow. I said, that's, that's crazy. I mean, this is a debilitating thing for you and, and working. And uh, she was like, yeah, and she just unpacked a little bit about how disappointing and frustrating it is and how when she goes to do it without tape on, she notices it straight away and she'll drop plates. And so then they come out of her wage and different things like that. And I was like, that's that's terrible. I said, hey, listen, this might sound really crazy. I said, but I'm a Christian. I believe that Jesus can heal. How do you feel if I was to pray for you? And she was like, literally looked at me and was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I was like, okay. I said, would you mind if I just like put my hand on top of your wrist? And so I just took three fingers, put my hand on her wrist, and I just said, God, I thank you that you love her, that you have a purpose and a plan for her life, that right now you want to reveal yourself to her, and I pray would you heal her wrist in the name of Jesus. Amen. That was it. Finished it up, had the conversation. It wasn't any like, woohoo, I've got healing. Um, and literally finished the conversation with her around her mom being in town. She was from overseas. And so there was a few things in that space. And then I walked away. And uh, it wasn't until I came back two weeks later, I sat down for a meal there on my own. She came over to me and she was like, you're that girl. You're that girl. You're the one. She's like, you put, you did whatever you did, it worked. And I was like, hang on, hang on. Whoa, 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 slow down. She's like, it worked. My wrist, it doesn't hurt anymore. I said, okay, firstly, let's recognize it was Jesus that did this and he did this because he loves you. And I am so ecstatic that you can actually, you know, have pain-free wrist and be able to do it your job. And she goes, my mom couldn't believe it. Like, so there was this whole moment of it happened post the moment. And uh, I think it was about a month or two later, we were back out and it was COVID and you weren't allowed to go in the restaurants. You could go in and order. Then you had to wait out the front for your coffee. And we're at the front and I was talking with the same friend that I originally prayed with. And I could hear in the background, the young barista telling the story to the other baristas in the cafe and literally sharing what God had done in that moment for her. So it was just amazing just to see. That's just one of the stories at the moment, you know, um, that I'm seeing on a regular basis in those places of cafes and hairdressers and uh, petrol stations and supermarkets and the different places that we find ourselves in everyday life where it's like, hey, what's the Holy Spirit saying? And just step out and obey. Incredible story. And it sounds like you're so natural and normal as you go about it because I think um, sometimes as an everyday believer, 
you think, oh, do I have to kind of pray in a certain way? Is there a, a formula of what I have to say? What are you thinking when you actually go and, and pray for somebody? Like, are you, are you conscious that you're trying to be, you're trying to normalize this? You're trying to kind of express your faith in, in a non, um, freaky way, for a lack of a better term? To be honest with you, Dina, I think for me, I, I've come to the conclusion, Bible says, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. And for me, that, that is a game changer. Put yourself in their shoes. You know, where they are right now, what are they doing? What are they going through? And when you connect and relate to somebody in their just everyday life, it, it opens up so many different opportunities. I recently went and had a blood test done at a, uh, a doctor's clinic around the corner. And I was talking to the lady there and I said, oh, have you got plans? It was over Easter weekend. I was like, you gone away for the weekend? And she was like, oh, no, look, my father-in-law, he's in hospital and he's been sick for nine months and all these different things. And she's telling me this story. And then I just said to her, I said, hey, I said, again, this might sound crazy. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. And I believe he could heal your father-in-law so that you can actually get away for the weekend. And I said, do you mind if I pray with you? And she was like, oh, no, you know, oh, oh, oh. I said, no, no. She, and she said, oh, you know, he's, he's in this hospital and we can't, we can't go there because of COVID. And I said, oh, I said, do you mind if we just pray here? And she was like, oh, oh. I was like, so simple. So I just said, I just said to her, I said, you know, God loves you. God loves your father-in-law. And I believe he wants to do something in this space. And she was like, okay. So I just said, God, and I, eyes open, whole deal. God, I thank you for a father-in-law. I pray you would touch his body, bring healing to it so that they could get away for the long weekend. I walked away from that moment with an amen in it and walked out, came back later for another blood test. And she was like, you'll never believe it. There was a turnaround with my father-in-law and we don't have to worry about looking after him for the weekend and we're going away. So you know, just taking the everyday moments to, of people's lives and being real with them and where they're at. And, and I'm not going out there with an agenda. I'm just taking what comes up in front of me. It's one thing to be on a mission and on a hunt. It's another thing just as you go, lay hands on the sick. As you go, preach the good news of the gospel. It doesn't have to be conjured up. There is so much need out there. Have a conversation with somebody. I guarantee you'll find it. It's so inspiring. And I love the fact that you have this ability, this capacity to unpack it for people and say things like, because Jesus loves you, he did this because he loves you, or God loves you, can I pray? How important it is, is it, Cherie, to lead with that language? It's so important because they have to know that it's, it's not some mystical power or some, you know, mystical person just walking in and out of their world. They have to know who it connects to and who it relates to. And when, when people have a recognition that there is someone greater than them and has their eye on them and sees them, you know, a crowd in a sea of faces that God sees them, that's profound. I think about like this, when you're on a plane and you look down and you're traveling over towns and you can see all the homes, the houses, the farms and everything like that. And there's always that reminder of like, God sees them. They're an individual that God designed, fashioned and desires to know and wants to be known by them. I kind of like find that that's pivotal. Just on the weekend, we had a team out in the street in the city here and uh, taking teams out and just sharing Jesus with people as we go. Go shopping and see what happens. Go walking and see what happens. And I came across this lady and she was sitting there in Melbourne Central. She's got two kids just playing the piano and they were absolute geniuses in their space. 10, 
and 11, going on 12, literally playing music like I have never heard it before. And I was like, man, this is, that's amazing. We're just sitting there listening. And I just felt like this moment where I watched the mother engage with her children. She's got the camera out. She's video recording them, look at what they're doing and things like that. And I mean, they were, they're brilliant, like musicians wise. And um, I, I literally sat there and watched this mother's heart bleed for her kids. And I saw the investment of time and money and energy she put into her children to train them, to have them learn the piano. And I saw this heart for the children. And then God was like, you need to go tell her that her heart for her kids, as is my heart for her, and just how much I love her. As invested as she is in her children, I'm invested in her. As as proud of her children as she is, I'm proud of her. And so I just walked over and I said, hey, I said, your kids are amazing. And I just talked to her about, that must have, you know, you put hours and time and energy and money. And I just talked to her along those lines and just literally connected her to the heart she has for them. And all of a sudden she started to talk about all the time and the energy and the discipline and the training and the, what she'd done with the kids. And I was like, wow. And just how proud she was of them. And I just was like, you know what? I just feel to say to you that God loves you the same way that you love your kids. And that in the same way you're proud of him, he's proud of you. In the same way that he, you have invested into them, he has invested into you. And he's taking this moment right now here to tell you that he loves you and that he's proud of you and that he wants to be known by you. And she just welled up with tears, had this moment, and I just literally had the opportunity to say, I, I don't know whether you know him or not, but he wants to know you. I encourage you tonight, if you, when you go home, you lay on your bed and you ask him to reveal himself to you, say, Jesus, if you're real, show me. And you watch as his love will just pour out over you. And it was just a, another one of those profound moments, but always intersecting people with this sense of treating them as you want to be treated, but also how the Father sees them, how he loves them, how he cares for them. And, and, and out of the overflow, I'm beginning to see that the Father's heart for more of these things is available to us if we'll engage with it. Yes, absolutely. It's so encouraging because I love that thought of as you go, because each of us, I can do that. You know, mm. each of us can do that as mm. just everyday people as we go, um, you know, seeing, looking yep. for where we can be a blessing, share our faith in some way. Incredible. I just want to, before we um, finish um, Cherie, to just talk about a course. I know that we we have a course, but our course is not the only course. It's out there in the field of evangelism. Tell us about this course you've developed quickly and how people could connect with that. We'll also drop some links in our show notes, but give us a bit of an overview. Well, look, I mean, I honestly just feel like there are some realities that um, most Christian believers don't know for personal evangelism. I think as a churches of the church capital across the world that we've over emphasized or overcapitalized on invitation-based church where we just invite our friends to church, pray that they get saved in church and then leave it to the church to disciple them. And uh, I'm a big believer of every believer being able to share Jesus confidently. And so in that realm, I just was like, you know what, I'm going to write a course that's going to empower people to know what is the gospel. So what is his story? Then understanding your own story and how you came to know Jesus. Then understanding what his role is in the conviction of sin and righteousness and bringing people to know him and then what is your role in it 
And then I just tackle a couple of things in the space of the obstacles that often get in the way of us sharing our faith with people. And so we just did that over five sessions, uh, about 12, 13-minute sessions together and uh, and just have a workbook that goes along with it to empower people and equip people to be able to share Jesus confidently. Absolutely love it. So um, check that out, Sharing Jesus Confidently, and the link will be in the show notes today. This has been a fascinating discussion. I feel inspired, Cherie. So talking about this whole area of healing and evangelism, and each of us can do it in very natural and normal conversational ways. So Cherie, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much for having me, Tina. You're a legend and we love what you do. Thanks for listening to this latest episode of the podcast. You can follow this channel to keep up with any new material that we've got coming out in September 2022. And then why don't you take it and share it with someone who'll be encouraged by it. And if you would like any further information, you can check out the website at sherierice.com.